Hello, 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 and welcome to another beautiful day here at All Things Georgette, our secret society that is open to the public. I am your consummate hostess, Marsha, and it is my absolute pleasure to be here for yet another round of Ratafia and chat with um, two of my favorite gal pals who I'm related to by blood, uh, two diamonds of the first water, Sandy and Sharon. And we thought we would start off today with a question that surfaced in our last discussion, to wit, what does indeed make a classic Georgette heroine? And why do we like them so much? I think that a classic Georgette heroine, above and beyond having gray eyes, is not usually hugely beautiful. She usually has a feature or two that's nice, but for the rest, she's normal. She's not extraordinarily beautiful, but she's always smart and she knows her own mind. Mm -hmm. Well said. Smart it being, I would say, the, the primary characteristic, smart over beautiful. Now, for me, I would say one of the primary characteristics that I that attracts me to a Georgette heroine is their sense of humor. They're, they're either, they're either very funny themselves or they, they get a real kick out of things around them. And through their eyes, you see how funny everything else is. Absolutely. And, and I also like that they are flawed. None of them are perfection. Um, Those are the boring drips of the stories, usually, the, the perfect ones. The, the heroines are often a bit snappish themselves. I just finished um, A Woman of Quality, or A Lady of Quality. Lady of and, Quality. Oh, the, the, um, that horrible character, Mariah, who is oh. the, the visiting cousin who is so obnoxious and irksome, mm-hmm. and she drives you insane, and she clearly drives um, the, the main character, her, our heroine, insane as well. And she has no compunction about like snapping at her and telling her to go soak her head, which is so delightfully um, uh, satisfactory when you're reading alongside. There are a couple of Georgette uh, secondary characters who are usually elder sisters who have not married and they are relegated to the role of always capitalized a prop to mama and they are moralistic and well-behaved and um, responsible, and usually everyone is bored to death by them. So, yes, your point Uh-oh. is well taken, Marcia, that they there's always a flaw. There's always something that they're um, a, a character defect in a world that did not ever accept any kind of defects in in well-born ladies and it makes them so much more interesting and also able to appreciate irony. That's another thing they do, Sandy. It's yes. like your, your sense of humor, but they, they appreciate the, the absurdities of the life that they live. And um, I now, find I that say, enjoyable. I would say like the Mariah that you just we're talking about, um, they also uh, demarcate a role in society for these upper-class women that um, are destitute and utterly dependent 
on um, on a, a society ruled by men. And, and, you know, you often see these male characters that say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll find some, I'll find one of my many relatives, you know, female relatives that would love to come. And I can't remember what the term is. Like, it's not saving face, but it's like, it's like keeping propri- propriety. Right. Yeah, chaperoning and, and showing to the world that that a young woman can live on her own if she has this older female, older relative. Older, older relative that can sit around and and just be there to give her uh, whatever it is, not not countenance, countenance or whatever. It's not. I can't remember what the term is, but it's it, it is it's such a propriety. Yeah, it's such a it's such a sad commentary on these these poor people that are like so eager to please because they don't want to be kicked out back into the cold and and like Mariah, they're so annoying and and that's why the that's why our character, who's another another aspect of a Georgia character, is their moral fiber. Let's admit that, and True. they yes. they're they're kind on a, on a on a basic level, and they don't feel that they can just, you know, kick out this old lady that they've been, that's been foisted upon them to save face. They, they can't kick her out into the cold. And so they put up with her chatter and jabber and all the rest of it. And it's interesting at the end of Lady of Quality, which I I just finished literally like moments ago. um, I was, I was looking forward to, I was thinking, oh, great. Because clearly this woman, now that she's going to marry Oliver, clearly this Mariah character is going to be kicked out or moved along or replaced and put into her brother's uh, household or what have you. Uh, No, we we are not given any indication of where Mariah will land. And by that time we hate her so much. We just want to see her like on her, her bottom in the street, but but Ah, in fact, something has to be done with her, but we're not given. It's interesting that she doesn't give us that. Now that, I thought there's no game plan for Mariah. I thought she was the one that was going to go live with her friend Emily Butterworth or something like that. No, no, no. There's no that, game plan for Mariah. But of course, that's the one that she that that Georgette basically rewrote later when she wrote it as Black Black Sheep. No, Lady of actually Black Sheep came before Lady of Quality, so she did she. In Black They're Sheep, very strangely wrote. similar books. There are a few there are a few books like that of Georgette's that are are weirdly similar. A Lady of Quality and, and Black Sheep are really, really similar. And uh, in Lady of Quality, which I prefer of the two of them, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Black Sheep, you have Annis is the heroine. No, that's Lady of Quality. That's is that Lady of Quality? quality. Mm-hmm. But she has been saddled with this sister, too, to stay with her, that her brother won't permit her Annabelle. to live on her own without this sister. And the sister no, 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 is no. intolerable. Sorry to, not- sorry to have to correct you. Okay. Uh, Amabelle comes to visit, foisted upon, although they're good, they're bosom buddies, Amabel and Annis, but Amabel comes to visit with her babies. Okay. Her, I'm thinking of black because- sheep then, Marsh, not lady quality. Okay. And she, she's got, I Just think a- the sister is Serena. Serena, right. And it it serves her brother George has inherited the title, but Annis has has a consequence of her own and she's well able to afford to live independently, which is what she wants. But George had an apoplexy at the idea of his sister going off to live on her own, even though she's 28 and and Mm -hmm. on the shelf. And the and the nice sister-in-law has made her feel guilty that that 
people would think that she was forced from their home. So she agrees to take on this this older sister. No, and it's, it not, is a it's means not by which the brother can get rid of the older sister. No, Otherwise, it's not. It's not the older sister. It's not the older sister in that. I'm. I'm. Okay. I'm. I'm just looking at it. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting the details. But I think a, a way to summarize. Yeah. The way to summarize, I think, what you're trying to say, Cher, is that um, women in general, and this brings us back to the more political aspect of, you know, what you know, a, a, a more, shall we say, contemporary analysis, which is that women were so um, detroit so quickly. They had there was only two or three spaces for them uh-huh. in society, and um, a woman that did not marry, uh, who did not become a governess, you know, was perhaps too well born to become a governess. And um, did not fulfill any particular function like to care for the elderly dowager, for example. Um, They were really at a loss of what to do with these women Mm -hmm. and how to justify their continued maintenance. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, again, it's and and it's all handled rather lightly uh, through these secondary characters who who stand as wonderful foils to the heroines. But I think it's fair to say that. Their treatment by the heroines is kind of a barometer for the character of, since we're talking about the heroines themselves, uh, for what, you know, what exactly the heroines are made of. And even if they're brusque, as um, Annis is to Mariah, she still countenances her. And whenever anybody says, oh, you've got to let me kick her out, Annis says, no, the poor thing, what else would she do? Of course, I can't kick her out. Uh, So I think another thing to be said is that Georgette's heroines, they're smart, they're witty. But they also do have a kind heart. Well, what's the one that jumps out of the of the carriage and rescues the dog and foists the dog onto her? That's Arabella. Uh, Arabella. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Constantly adopting, you know, pathetic animals and children. Remember the, the chimney sweep that falls yes. into her? Yes. Is that Arabella too? That's yeah. a, what a wonderful scene that is. And she's kind of a social reform type character. Her father is a minister, and so she kind of, you know, has this right. background that gives her the sort of the the you know uh, light of light of action and reform and, uh, and, and just assuming that everyone would want to do that too, including the hero who is a, a you know, bored sophisticate and has no, has never even thought of rescuing, you know, mongrels <laughs> and chimney sweeps and things like that. Right. And of course his, he is shown to have a heart by, uh, through falling in love with this character and allowing himself to be foisted on with this, what's the name of the dog? This crazy looking Ulysses. Mutt? Ulysses, of course. <laughs> now it's um, too good, uh, and you know, of course, Ulysses because he's a wanderer. This dog, this has been wandering from place to place, and, she needs it, and of course, which brings up another Georgette aspect, which is, of course, her learned background and the the assumption of of the learned background on the part of her heroines, who would have been, you know, familiar with their Greek and and uh, and and Latin backgrounds, because that was the 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 education of the day at that time, which of course is used to great comic effect with Ferdy Fakenham, who is uh, right. looking after, <laughs> after this Greek fellow, this Greek fellow that's giving, and everybody is looking around and trying to scratch their heads about ever having met a Greek fellow. And it turns out there's talking about nemesis, you know, I believe you, I believe you referred to nemesis and it well, was the heroine. There's, a, that there's an there. interesting Thank balance you. there because, because it, it's very plain in her books that a woman who is 
quote unquote overeducated, a woman who is a blue stocking oh, that's is right. or not going to succeed to attract a great marital partner because she's trying to put herself above him. And yet so many of the of the young damsels on the marriage mart are well versed in painting and pianoforte and yes. and Italian watercolors, but knowing about um, history or the classics, they're expected to have some knowledge, but not too much. Not too much. And Georgette's heroines often have too much um, by the standards of the day. I can think of a scene from my personal favorite, the found, not the foundling, Friday's Child, in which Hero Wantage is just getting to know um, all of Sherry's pals, like Gil Rothenham and Ringwood, uh, Ferdy Faconham, Ringwood, whatever. And um, and she she betrays the fact that she has some knowledge about history of some kind. I can't really recall the exact circumstances. And Sherry excuses her by saying, "Oh well, she's just out of the schoolroom." That's know, right. So and and she, she's not bookish, is she? Oh yeah. no, 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 of course not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's right. That would be that would be that would be horrifying. Um, now I'm gonna. Well, and then they are expected. I'm going to I'm going to say one more thing on this on this topic of heroines and just um, giving us a, a sense of where where I think Georgette might have been getting her inspiration for these books. Now, um, there's a scene in uh, The Reluctant Widow when she uh, she's she's stuck in this new role as a widow, which she didn't want. And she's in this this house that she doesn't want to be in that seems to be being invaded by um uh, uh, French spies, and she she calls she she wants she writes a letter to get her former governess to come live with her, and um, so she has this nice relationship with her former governess, and and you get you even get from the governess uh, herself a, a, a chapter later or so you get a description of the this nice lord that of course is going to be our hero that goes to the governess to bring her back in his own carriage and, you know, you know, such consideration as they say. And, um, and you get this almost exact picture of this little governess barely scraping by as on the edge of genteel poverty. And, and you have an almost exact picture, uh, as you do from the, the book, um, uh, persuasion by Jane Austen, where she mm. goes, she goes to see her old governess, and uh, who's living in Bath on the edges of genteel poverty, who's a, a wonderful, merry little person that is um, up on all of the news and 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 gives her some important information about this mm. uh, scoundrel. So you, I, I believe that's a that's a direct quote in Georgia mm-hmm. from Jane Austen. Obviously, she's a huge Jane Austen fan. Um, I think that's. Another yeah, another person I think she's looking at. Um, I'll just make try to make this brief. But um, one of the qualities of of a Georgette heroine is that um, she is, for the most part, there are a couple of milk toast ones like April Lady. But for the most part, the heroines are uh, they have a back and forth with a the hero. They have um, a, a sort of an egalit as egalitarian a relationship intellectually as is possible. Absolutely, sort under of, yeah, the Benedict, Benedict kind of a, and mm-hmm. and I am always reminded of the the very end of Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, where uh, they she's finally back with Mister Rochester. They're going to be you know cementing it, and they're going to be together forever. 
and Mr. Rochester wants to get all maudlin. And and she says, nope, nope. And she just keeps picking at him and keep keeps poking him and keeps him on his guard um, because she doesn't she she doesn't want him to get bored with her. And she thinks that that um, getting too mushy and stuff, you you need this repartee in a relationship that that is the definition of a good relationship is one that looks like it's going to have a lifelong uh, quality of repartee and, and peak and repeak as they would say. So, and, and so I think, I think that's also a bit of a, I think she also was influenced by Charlotte Bronte. So, and, and her ideal relationship. So that's my, my thing. The end of a lady of quality bears out this point, Sandy, when they finally agree to marry and uh, Annis says, uh, sort of is obviously a bit concerned about uh, whether he will pick up his libertine ways, uh, so to speak, and, and have affairs when they're after they're married. And she said, well, if you do, it'll be my fault because it means that you will have lost interest in me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cl- and they're very much a Beatrice and Benedict back and forth mm-hmm. to, uh, mm-hmm. to each other. So, so that, that makes a great deal of sense. You know, I wanted to... I've made several errors in our last podcast, and I want to get them straight. First of all, I referred to the Restoration. These novels do not take place in the Restorations. It's no, a Regency, don't. duh. There you go. Um, and the Georgian period. And the Regency officially is 1811 to 1820. And Georgian Britain is 1714 to 1837. So, you know, they they, they overlap, but they're both. Um, and it's also Barbara Cartland. And I forget what I called her something else. Cartwheel. Um, <laughs> she deserved the way, <laughs> I found a list of Georgette heroes online. So it turns out we are still a secret society, but there are other people that are <laughs> quite interested and passionate about her as well. Um, and But this to me is so weird. There was a list of the heroes, not the heroines. See, to us, the heroines are so much more interesting. Yeah. But a list of heroes and their eye color. So do you remember our oh. conversation about gray eyes? <laughs> How hilarious is that? And and I can't imagine why their eye color is more important than that of the heroine. Yeah. However, I counted 20 out of 37 heroes have gray eyes. Ah, yes. See, there we go. Well, I FYI. also found a list on, online and I found a list uh, uh, in um, in chronological order of, of the books that she wrote, which is, is helpful to me. So I have it, I have it to refer to. Um, but I, I, I will say that the sometimes one of the things that I like is, and, and why we should perhaps not just be talking about the heroines, but perhaps at a later podcast, talk about the heroes, of because course. there are there. One of the things I like about her is that she is not always solidly in the corner of the heroine. Sometimes Sometimes the hero is the main romantic interest of the book. It's the mo- he you were seeing the book from his point of view. Like Frederica, even though it's named Frederica, you're really honestly seeing that book from the hero's point of view for the most part. The Foundling, classically, absolutely, mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah. true, true, true. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, one we, of my favorites is one that you don't see as much. I think um, Pharaoh's daughter. And I think in that one, she Georgette takes a step outside of of her usual story. The the heroine in that one has spent 
many of her formative years following the drum with her father, who was in the army of Wellington in the peninsula. And um, her aunt, her father's sister, is in London. And when her father is killed and she returns to London, it transpires that the aunt has been in financial difficulties for quite some time and has opened a gaming house. Uh And the heroine, Deb Grantham, is given a choice between abandoning her aunt and remaining respectable but genteelly impoverished or going in on the the gaming house with her aunt and helping her run it. And her aunt is one of those wonderful, fluffy, older lady um, Georgette characters who is kind, a kind heart and not a whole lot of, of practical ability. And Deb takes over the gaming house, knowing that she has set herself outside of, way outside of the social bonds, mm-hmm. even though... And any hope of, of a successful marriage. It's the right thing to do to, to save her aunt from, um, from that self-same genteel poverty. And the hero is very uh, he's very addicted to the bounds of propriety and he's quite mm-hmm. he's quite fierce about it and so it's a, it's particularly it's a wonderful evenness of, i would say i would say he's per- particularly interested in propriety as it relates to females in particular well but his but his heir is his cousin and he wants to be he doesn't really plan to marry and so he wants to be sure that his cousin um, remains within the bonds of propriety. He's also been his cousin's guardian, so he feels a sense of obligation to look after the 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 one who's going to be his his heir and take over his estates. And he he is horrified by the heir coming in contact with the charming Deb. And this sets up, of course, the the conflict right, of the book. Right, of course, and yeah. rather than kowtowing to him, she pushes back on his notions of propriety because her notion of propriety is that you help the people who love you and who need you. And well, um, also, I will I'll come in here for a minute and say that um, this brings up another aspect of a, a classic Georgette heroine is that. Um, She's got a, a quick and feisty temper that is yes, too, that is that is is a is a a, bound, a a guard to her own boundaries, you know, her own sense of herself and her identity. And in this case, this Deb, um, he offends her. He just judges her right from the beginning oh, and yeah. is incredibly offensive. And then she says, she just uh, quick on a dime, she makes the decision that she is going to play up to his whatever he thinks she is, and he's. She's going to, she's going to get the better of him. She's going to show him. And so, so it's not just because, because, you know, she's, she's been misunderstood and she's actually being kind. It's, she's also like, she's not, she's not going to explain that to him and say, oh, I'm really good. She's good. No, she's going to, she's going right. to give him crap, you know, well, there's and also she's going to make him writhe, you know, with there's also wit. that wonderful scene. Um, I can't remember which novel it is in which the young girl who's had a carriage accident conveniently outside of the estate of the gentleman, um, uh, Arabella. Comes in, Arabella, she comes in with her duenna and, uh, and is frozen and comes to the fire and 
Um, and he's convinced that she's done it on purpose. Yes, that that's right. she's come. She's a fortune hunter, and she's gone to tidy up upstairs and is coming back down for dinner. And she overhears him making derogatory remarks about her to his uh, friend. And so she immediately pretends. And this was the, this is, I'm sorry, that is Arabella because she's also the minister's daughter and poor as a church mouse. And she pretends charmingly um, and kind of adorably to be completely other than what she actually is, uh, to be an heiress herself. And uh, she's just out of pure fury. So I absolutely agree. They have a temper and sometimes that temper gets away from them. Yep. And gets them into scrapes, Mm -hmm. which is where a lot of the fun of, of the action um, leads us. Uh, and why the books books where you don't have a feisty heroine are not as interesting, like April lady, not even close, Mm -hmm. not even close. And I think that, you know, the heroes definitely need to be discussed at some point, but I like this question for us because it also dovetails with something else that came up last time, which you pointed out, Sharon, which was that a Georgette hair, higher, higher hair, um, also was quite derogatory about her own writing skills in that yes. even despite her popularity, despite how successful and mon, you know financially remunerative these books were, um, she, uh, she had nothing but disdain for herself and for them seemingly, which is too bad. Yeah. Which I think uh, my, my sense is that um it was it wasn't just uh just a show of of self-deprecation it was a, a true response to the uh patriarchal view that romance fiction was less than mystery fiction for example even though they're equally as formulaic and um and she she let that she, she it got in it got in on a deep level it definitely got in and it's too bad that she couldn't do as her heroines did and only be seeming to capitulate to these, to these standards, but in fact be ragingly uh, uh, appreciative of herself and other female writers and their abilities. Um, Because as you say, Sandy, the both of the writers that you mentioned um, were women, right? Mm -hmm. That you felt she was um, emulating uh, influenced by uh, Bronte, Charlotte, was it Emily or Charlotte? Charlotte Charlotte Bronte. Charlotte Bronte. And, um, and Jane Austen, who, whom I'm sure, of course, I mean, I've, I've often tripped in describing these books to people that have never read them. I've often described her as a poor man's Jane Austen, which is not fair, but it does kind of serve mm-hmm. to basically place you in the right world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Georgette had more of a sense of humor than Jane Austen. Maybe, yeah. It was more accessible to a 20th century readership. Yeah. Um, because at at the bottom, Georgia Hire in in her best books, she is funny, she's and she funny. is sharp, laugh out loud, funny, and clever, and she's a great dialogue writer. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things I really enjoy, and am very rarely disappointed in a Georgia Hire book. Um, the and ones as a, as a as a group that are more disappointing in that area are, in fact, the detective novels that she wrote. She wrote about a dozen of them, and there are some wonderful scenes in those. But they she doesn't have the same uh, societal rules to play her 
characters off against, and she's she's having to track through on the mystery story itself, and it just does not lend itself to the just sharpness and 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 innovativeness of the wit that she shows in her Regency books, in the best of her Regency books. Do you think that's a that's a question of the formula, the, the kind of structure of um, a typical mystery plot uh, that that she's sort of bound by that um, structure and formula to be less witty and less interesting? Because honestly, I maybe I know I'm alone out here in the wilderness, but I am not the biggest fan. I'm I can't really get of excited about Poirot and and Agatha and and. Oh, you know, gaudy night. Uh, these are these are like you know totems to people that love mysteries. I I totally understand, but I, I just can't get as into it. I think because of exactly what you're talking about. They're not witty. They don't make me laugh, and I don't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, some of some of the best I do enjoy them. Um, but I think one that you perhaps ought to try, Marsh, is um, Agatha Christie's more societal and again more of an equal relationship set up which is the her Tommy and Tuppence Beresford books. Mm, that you've might got be more fun. A, you've got a married couple who solve mysteries together, but they're they're reminiscent of her heroes and heroines of Georgette's heroes and heroines in that they have a very different worldview and they're they're as Georgia says, they're wit crackers. And mm-hmm. so they, they're they solving a mystery, but there's this overlay of their relationship and some humor in that. Uh, if there's some other vessels. If I can come in, I think that that is the nugget of the difference. I think that, like, for example, I like the Dorothy Sayer uh, novels that are the trilogy around Harriet Vane, who's having the relationship with Lord Peter Whimsey, who's her main detective. It's the relationship that's interesting. And I think one of the one of the comparisons here between the romance genre and the mystery genre is that the mystery genre, first of all, you're dealing with, you're usually dealing with murders and you're dealing with, with prison. So not not very buoyant. It's not ending in a, in a happy marriage at the end. Um, and you're also dealing with people at work. You're dealing with barristers. You're dealing with right. people and, and inspectors and people who right. are, are having work conversations in work tones. Right. And one, right. of the, one of the advantages that a, a, a romance um, has is that it can be completely about social relations and in a social, it's in the social world. And so people, you, you see bubble up uh, more of people's character and more of their personality. And, you know, like Jane Austen makes that distinction between character and personality. Character is what people do. Personality is how they appear. And, mm. um, and you get to see both of those in action more because they're in a social environment. And when you're in a work environment, you have to suppress a lot of that. And I think that's why mysteries are just a bit more dull in terms of character. And that brings us back to the, the, what is, uh, I think the lineage of Georgette is, you know, not just uh, Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte, but also I would say very much Dickens before her and J.K. JK Rowling after her. People who love who love characters and love playing with their names of the characters and mm-hmm. um, and just have a, a huge appreciation for the the um, the human comedy and the panoply of of, of different kinds of, of personality. 
And if we want to go even further back, probably Shakespeare's in there somewhere yes. too, because Georgette herself, as I understand it, was very well educated um, and made it her business, as we discussed last time, uh, with all of her uh, excellent research, uh, made it her business to know to know her business, you know, to know her lineages uh, and her influences. As you pointed out, Beatrice and Benedict. Yeah, indeed. Well, that is a perfect place, ladies, for us to wind it up for this session and um, to welcome our listeners back to next time when we may have the addition of a certain mystery guest. We're hoping, we have our fingers crossed, that our um, mystery guest will join our secret society here uh, at All Things Georgette. And um, we hope to see her and you, anyone listening, uh, here again. So um, any final words, ladies? Thank you for listening. Read on. And Absolutely. the rat- the ratafia is delicious. Indeed it is. <laughs> Farewell for now, my friends. Mm-hmm.